Hallelujah. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and Christ Jesus our Savior. Amen. Today is an impossibility. Today really cannot be. No one at all expects this Jesus from Nazareth to rise from the dead. Not even the women who come to the tomb. Those women in Mark's Gospel aren't talking to each other about what they each think Jesus will look like now that he's risen from the dead. No, they're talking to each other about who's going to roll the stone away so that we can go in and anoint his lifeless body. Christ's enemies also do not expect this day. The Sadducees, one of the great enemies of Christ in the New Testament, great enemies of his preaching and his teaching, their whole identity in the New Testament is built around a denial of the resurrection, so that they are totally astonished at Jesus' words when he declares God to be the God of the living and not the God of the dead. And that God of the living is, right then, when Jesus says those words, the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob, all alive before him as Jesus speaks. When Jesus tells the crowd, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up, they're confounded not knowing because they don't expect that he's referring to his body in the resurrection. They even use this as evidence to condemn him to death and expose the depths of their ignorance, the depths of their dull minds, when they attempt to ridicule him with these words as he hangs from the cross. Their wicked minds probably hear Jesus' words on Good Friday it is finished, and think to themselves, well, yeah, you had it coming. We tried to help you out. We tried to provide a way for you to avoid it. No one expects this blessed Easter morning, this feast of the resurrection of our Lord. No one expects it because, as Jesus says to the Sadducees, they know neither the scriptures nor the power of God therein. How often in the Old Testament do the prophets speak like Daniel does? Those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Or Isaiah, your dead shall live, their bodies shall rise. You who dwell in the dust, awake and sing for joy, for your dew is the dew of light and the earth will give birth to the dead. It doesn't Job, in words so dear and comforting to us, say, even in the Old Testament lesson you heard just read, for I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been thus destroyed, yet in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself. And my eyes shall behold, and not enough. Isn't Jesus' resurrection what he himself preaches and teaches, not in secret, but for all to hear? 
The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And after three days, rise again. <coughs> Doesn't Jesus tell the scribes and the Pharisees that the only sign they'll receive from him is the sign of Jonah, as he'll be three days and nights in the heart of the earth as Jonah was in the belly of that great fish. And I know we hear all of this and we think, yeah, how could they have been so blind? How could all those people have been so dense? And maybe take the next step and think, if I would have been one of Jesus' disciples, I would have remembered. I would have expected today, I would have run to the tomb knowing that it was going to be empty, just as I ran to church today to celebrate this resurrection. Do we expect this? We who have the word revealed to us, do we expect it? We have the words of God from the blessed apostles, but you don't have to crack your Bible open to be bombarded with images of the resurrection pleading for you to expect it from the Chronicles of Narnia, the Lord of the Rings, back down through the centuries to Juliet's still time, awakening, and even further, back down through the centuries, you think that we were all people obsessed with resurrections. Osiris and the Baals, those false gods with their cute stories of their own mocking resurrections. Or maybe you're more familiar with the hero and the savior of the Greeks, Achilles, who's snatched back from death by his immortal mother. All these vague memories throughout thousands of years, vague memories of the true promise of the one resurrection given to our first father and mother in the garden. That the serpent, that ancient dragon, the old evil foe, will be crushed, while the heel of the seed of the woman will be bruised. That's where we left off on Friday. But if you stop at Good Friday and you disconnect the words of Christ, you'll be left at worst in despair, or at best in blissful ignorance with all the others who do not expect today. The unholy trinity of the devil and the world and your own sinful flesh want you to stay at the cross with them, at what they consider to be their great victory. But let us expect that bruised heel to men mere days later. But perhaps we do expect this in a sense. But do we remember it? Do we use it? God grant that as you sit at home later this blessed Easter, that you do remember that Christ has risen from the grave's dark prison. If the resurrection of Jesus Christ is everything that I'm saying it is, that it is the proof that Jesus' words from the cross, it is finished, means infinitely more than he's just dying up there, but rather that he has accomplished in his death in your place, accomplished peace between you and the Holy God through faith in him, with the resurrection from the dead as the assurance 
from that same holy God that the Messiah's death as a propitiatory sacrifice is a perfect sacrifice, is an all-sufficient sacrifice. If all of that is true and is, then we ought to remember it. It ought to wake us up out of our slumber. It really ought to change us. And you can tune into a thousand different Easter sermons today in this brave new world we live in, and you'll probably hear things like, today you can begin a new life just like Jesus did. Leave your old life behind and be transformed this Easter Sunday or some such nonsense. That's not the change I'm talking about. It is true, yes, as the Holy Spirit conforms us to God's will through the preaching of the Word and His holy sacraments, as we grow to love what God loves, as we grow to hate what God hates, we do change. But in this changing, what do we expect? What do we hope for? An always better life here in this veil of tears? An always easier life here? Always healthier life? Always safer from disease life? Dear Lord, save me from the government that I don't currently care for too much. That kind of a life, is that what we expect and hope for? The resurrection of Jesus Christ. The resurrection of the Son of God from the dead changes us to expect much more than that because there is much more than this life which is destined for destruction where moth and rust destroy. This is just what St. Paul says. He says, if in Christ Jesus we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. Our prayer ought to be that our dear Father in heaven keep us from setting our expectations in this world only. How about this for something to expect? If we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. That's something to look forward to. The feast of the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ is much more for us than sentimental feelings or good memories of Easter lunch with family and friends. And no matter how good, no matter how joyful those might be, they're not going to stand in these gray and latter days. What will stand is the death and resurrection of your Savior. That same death you have been baptized into, dear child of God, so that his death and his resurrection are made to be your death, your resurrection. All of us probably, especially these last three years or more, want to get our lives back to some semblance of normal. Whenever that normal was, whatever we consider to be normal, at whatever time. But here is the truth. Not one single life since Adam and Eve sinned in the garden has been normal. No matter how many earthly blessings your father gave you, your Father in Heaven gave you, 
None of this is how God created you. None of this is how God created anyone or anything to be. You and I have only known creation after the fall. Let's not hope for it. Let's not expect life as normal. Normal is the women in Mark's gospel going to the tomb expecting to finish preparing Jesus' dead and decaying body. That's normal. Normal is the disciples locking themselves behind closed doors out of fear. Normal in this life is often a life of spiritual apathy. God save us from that, not God grant us that. You don't want normal. What you want is a life of impossibilities. You want promises founded on true impossibilities. The impossibility of the Son of God being conceived by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary. The impossibility of the Almighty Creator of all things willingly submitting to suffering under Pontius Pilate. You want the impossibility of the immortal God taking on mortality for your sake, for the sole purpose of being crucified and dying in your place with the punishment and death that is meant for you, and then to be buried. And today, and today, all of this, that's what you want. The question to ask ourselves these days, and in all days, the question that brings actual comfort, real hope, true and lasting peace is the impossible question to which you know the answer. Is Christ still risen from the dead? Yes. Hallelujah. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Now may the peace of God which surpasses understanding keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.